Welcome to Agency X, a podcast about design, development, e-commerce, and multiple other things. Uh, this is our first podcast, and today I sat down with David, uh, and he asked me a bunch of questions about growing the agency, as well as um, my background and how I grew from a freelancer to an agency owner, and uh, how we're growing our agency today. Um, so I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, thank you. I thought a really good way to start this first episode of our podcast is to talk about kind of like our history and where we come from. And by we, I mean specifically you, John. Yeah, excellent. So um, Avix kind of happened by accident. I don't think I've ever set out to really try to um, start an agency, at least not in the beginning. Um, I think it was more about short-term goals that, you know, over time became bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so I started out in the agency world, um, working at various types of either large or small ad agencies or creative agencies. Um, some of them are like McCann Erickson and BBDO and, um, I moved over to some brands like Estee Lauder and um, I worked at Viacom for a little bit. And, and then I started working at a, a more smaller boutique creative agency and just really wasn't happy there. Uh, I stayed there for about two years, um, learned a lot, um, learned what not to do as well. Um, and I started freelancing for, for different companies here and there. Um, mainly doing, in the beginning, doing flash animation and uh, flash websites, uh, and then started getting more and more into the creative side, the UX, the UI, um, design side of things, um, and actually being able to build those websites. So I really taught myself um, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, WordPress. I was really big into WordPress when I was freelancing, um, and really just obsessed with best practices and standards, which sounds boring, but it was really, really fun. Um, following like web design kind of quote unquote legends, uh, like Jeffrey Zeldman, who, uh, was a founder of happy cog and, um, uh, and a book apart an event apart. Uh, so following like that whole kind of crew of web designers who were following best practices and obsessed with HTML standards and semantic markup. And, uh, I was, I really just geeked out over that. Uh, and I just wanted to write blog posts about design and development and freelance. That's it. That was my biggest goal while working at an agency was just, I, I didn't really want to, when I was showing up at the office, it was just like, just you know, going through the motions. It just wasn't for me. Um, There's a lot of great people that I worked with um, and I learned a lot and I took a lot away from that. But when I went home at night, I was doing freelance projects. I was working on my website. I was working on um, friends' websites or companies that contacted me and found me. And I was just practicing my skills on HTML and CSS and WordPress and JavaScript and learning whatever I can, touching even a little bit on like app development, which I was terrible at. Um, I couldn't really do that at all. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really what I wanted to do. So I left the workforce probably in like 2002. 12, end of 2012, beginning of 2013. And I just started working out of my spare room, just from a laptop and started to get some cool clients. So um, some agencies 
hired me because I was a freelancer and they brought me on to work on projects for like USA Network and uh, HBO. Um, you know, various big names started to come across my plate and bring me on as a freelance web designer or developer. And I really was so obsessed with SEO and I'm not the best at SEO, but I would say that search engine optimization would be one of the biggest things that drove the drove Avex to become more of a boutique agency rather than just a solo freelance business. Um, because I skyrocketed to the top of Google for freelance web designers in New York. Like that was how we ended up closing, or I ended up closing projects for like Pony Sneakers, um, and and that snowballed into working. Uh, with Kith. And then that blew up into working with Starter and Iconics Brand Group. And um, from there, we just started to get bigger and bigger brands. You know, now we're working with brands like Ports V and Wolf and Shepherd and House and Tomboy X. And um, we worked with Dannon and Shutterstock. And all of those came in because of how well I was doing in the freelance world and then just started to slowly grow it. And I never had the intention to start hiring people. And after that, I just wanted to have a small team of a couple people working with me to support those projects. And and then that grew into wanting to hire more people and get bigger projects and bring more value to these merchants. And and then that kind of shifted over to doing more e-commerce and focusing mostly on Shopify Plus Um, and now headless commerce and contentful. And looking back a few years ago, you know, I didn't really have even a plan to be able to do what we're doing now. Um, So that's kind of the long and short of it. Sure. And so let's dissect that timeline a little bit and kind of go all the way back to the beginning with College John oh, wow. and what College John was like and what he was doing. Did you study formally or was that something that you did on your own? Yeah, I studied. Um, so I majored in like wasting space um, in college. It, school wasn't for me. I would I would. <laughs> so I would say that my entire life school was just not for me. I'd never been, um, I never paid attention. I was, you know, I, I just didn't apply myself to studying. I didn't apply. And I'm, look, I'm not, I'm not saying college and school isn't important. And I'm not saying that you should do exactly what I do did, but I just was always staring out the window. It says it on my report cards. This is even through grade school. So college hit and I was still in the high school mindset. Like it just wasn't for me. Um, I got kicked out of a community college and went to another community college, which actually was for like a trade. It was a community college trade school. Um, And I went there and I did study web design, but at the time they were just teaching like basic Photoshop, flash animation, HTML, CSS, and like some JavaScript. But by the time I got out of school, two years later, a year and a half later, everything I learned was obsolete. So I really, it was really just something that would light a fire under me to, to, to focus on. Um, but I, I, I really, after school, had to teach myself and learn on the job. Is that what really excited you about kind of this, you know, web, web dev yeah, I think space? The technology side of things, as well as the design side of things was really intriguing. Um, and I, throughout my career... And even throughout um, over the past few years with Avix, I feel like there's always a shift. And 
in the beginning, it was really obsessed with, hey, I just want to make the coolest flash animations and impress people and the wow factor. And then it started to shift more towards, hey, I just want to code really interesting things and see what I could get out of it. And then and then it shifted more to I want it to be as clean as possible and as SEO friendly as possible and as user friendly as possible. Um, and now I think it's now it's more shifting towards, you know, customer experience as well as, you know, working with really cool brands and being able to help merchants rather than, you know, the coolest technologies or something like that. Sure. And I I like what you mentioned before about the kind of boring stuff versus the fun stuff with this field. And I think the fun stuff is necessary to get into it, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and to kind of really get involved and really like it. But it's the boring stuff that kind of takes you from just a designer or just a web developer, even just a freelancer to building essentially what, you know, you have built, uh, because it's 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 essentially, you know, it's not just, oh, make something that looks cool. You also have to think about, you know, a company's like ROI mm-hmm, and their mm-hmm. business goals and making sure that it's accessible for a variety of now legal reasons. And it's just all these things that most people wouldn't think about. Like if, if you did a pitch for, hey, be a designer, be a web developer, you can make things that'll make companies make more money and make <laughs> and be more usable to different kinds of people. That doesn't sound fun. It is. It, it actually ends up. It It is fun. It actually ends up being fun. But hearing it, it doesn't sound fun. No, not at all. And you're right. That's why, you know, on the creative side or on the development side of things, um, especially with seeing new candidates applying for positions, too. Um, I feel like they do have a different sense of what either building websites or apps or things like that are. Um, and I'm sure that there's some companies, maybe it's a product company, and it, maybe that is a little bit different. But when you're in client services and you're you're either at a marketing or ad agency or development, you know, I think it's very important, regardless of your job, you could be sales or design or user experience or ADA compliance, you know, whatever it is you, that you're doing, um, you have to keep the merchant at mo- in mind because they're making an investment in you. Um, and you're making a time investment and, and also thinking about their customers and thinking about what's important to them um, and keeping that on top of mind. I think that is the, the byproduct of that is going to be a return on investment rather than just only thinking about what the return on investment is. So you could definitely have fun doing it. It depends on how you approach it. But of course, with anything, there's always going to be, you know, the boring shit that you don't want to do. Yeah. And there's like a maturity to it uh, because you weren't always, you know, the rock star agency head. Uh, (laughs) I'm still not. (laughs) You were, you know, at one point, uh, you know, a freelancer. Yeah. You know, and at what point after going to that trade school and like learning things for yourself, did you actually decide to, you know, oh, I could do this, you know, freelance because now freelancers have a lot more opportunities and there's a lot more spaces. But what year would you say you started becoming a freelancer? Oh, OK. So <sighs> officially full time was around 2013, 2014. Um because I was working at Havas, the ad agency, okay. for about a year in 2012. I was still freelancing on the side. I was even at, right out of college. I was freelancing just to more to just sharpen the skills. Um, but full time freelance without you know working a day job would probably be around 2013 ish. Um, and then from there, I just went full time into taking on my own projects and. 
uh, working direct with the client. So I would say, and it was, it was a lot different back then. Um, there were, wasn't as many resources, like there weren't as many staffing agencies and e-commerce was, was gigantic. It was still huge, but not as big as it was now. Like Shopify was just taking off. There wasn't as much demand for it. Um, we were, I was doing some e-commerce, but really didn't start doing in that until 2015. Um, so yeah, it's it was a little bit different back then, um, but that's that I saw that space, especially in in for New York freelancers being able to get to the top of Google from that. Like, it sounds boring as hell, <laughs> and it sounds like simple, but it was very tough, and also it um it was a ma- had a major impact on. Uh, growing Avix and growing my freelance business. How did you find clients? I, uh, you know, at that time, like let's say, so let's say before your official freelancing, let's say when you were just doing like your side hustle stuff, which if I had to guess was probably what early two thousand. Yeah, so I would say no, a little bit. Yeah, I guess two thousand and like six, two thousand seven. So like, you know, how did you even find clients at that point? I think they found me more than me finding them. Yeah, so like that was. You know, I, I I never really had to reach out and, you know, cold call or cold email or like hunt down clients. I think because I was producing really good content on my blog and also um, producing really great work for certain. I was lucky enough to work with some really large organizations um, and ad agencies that you know, it just stood out. And one thing that put me above a lot of the other designers and developers at the time is that I wasn't a designer and I wasn't a developer. I was both. So I was able to do the creative and I was able to implement on it. And even if I was just being hired or, you know, contract to do design, the selling point was, Hey, look, you know, I also know development, so I could talk to your developers or I could advise or I could do it myself. So there was always that added bonus there. Um, and that's how I got bigger and bigger clients. And, and like I said, I feel like they were always reaching out to me rather than me having to go hunt them down. So you'd always upsell yourself and find ways of added, adding like increasing value to what you did. And that kind of helped people want you more and kind of snowballed into a lot of these referral clients. Yeah, exactly. So I, I like the way you put that upsold myself and um, yeah, cross sold and upsold myself to, um, to, to some of these brands and um, some of these ad agencies. Um, so yeah, that was something that was, was a huge value add was um, having more than just one skill, but being dangerous in both of those, not just being like, oh, I just touch on design or touch on development. I was able to, you know, knock, a, knock it out of the park on both of those, not to brag, but you know, some of these brands and agencies wouldn't have hired me if, if I wasn't able to do that. Uh, and I think that was really important. You had to do both. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it was a huge bonus. I don't think I had to because I have friends and colleagues who have been very successful just focus on creative or just focusing on user experience or just development. Um, for me, I like the whole suite of being able to design something and have so much control over it and being able to also like code in the browser and or design in the browser rather. And, you know, sometimes just doing a quick sketch and then jumping right into the browser and coding things, which I was I was really in love with, especially as um, responsive design and mobile first started to blow up. So um, those are the things that maybe set me apart from some of the other freelancers that were pitching for these projects or for these gigs. Okay. And 
At what point did you start focusing on Shopify? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shopify. That's a yeah, that's a big part of our business right now. Yeah. Um. So my first touch or my first experience with Shopify was for this surf company called H2O Generation, which was like stand-up paddle boards and surfboards and things like that. Okay. They were a very small business. They just needed a shop. I helped them set up their shop. That was the first. Then we started to... we So Avex wasn't really doing e-commerce from the beginning. So we were doing a, a host of other things. Um, like just web design and WordPress and some other e-commerce. Um, and we started to get more and more requests from from brands to do Shopify. Um, I think the biggest one, the first one that we we didn't do the development on, we did the UX and UI was for Kith, uh, the streetwear brand. So that came from a relationship we had with Liberty Fashion Fairs, who we still work with to this day. Um, they recommended that we work with Kith and we, we did a couple iterations of their website as well as their UX and UI for their mobile app. And we were like, wow, this, this is great. Like We ended up partnering with their development team that coded the kith site and we ended up working with them on some of projects that they had that they needed design help for and vice versa where we needed development help for when and this is when it was just me and another guy uh, doing like some you know kind of i would say it's a glorified agency but it was more like sure. just a two-man freelance team yeah, yeah. um so we started working with kith and then because we did kith eugenia kim started um uh, reached out to us and we worked with her. Um, and then it just, we just started getting more and more requests. And then to the point where it's almost exclusively e-commerce and Shopify plus projects that we've been working on. That was the early days. And we've learned a lot since then. And since then we went from being just Shopify partners or Shopify experts to being a Shopify plus partner and working well on with some major brands. So it's been, been really interesting since, you know, over the past few years, since we you know started with Shopify. Sure. So if my history check is correct, you started Avex Designs around 2015, correct? Yeah, technically I had the name. Officially. Officially. I mean, official official is when we registered the name, which was probably back in 2010. Okay. Still working. And then I used that domain name that was you know, that I just selected um, to start the business. I would say 2015 is a little bit more officials when I started to hire some help, hire more people. Before that, it was, I would just say it's just like, you know, it was just a consultancy or like freelance. Sure. Okay. Freelancer with some help. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so first, where does the name Avex come from? And two, what made you feel that that was the next move for you to actually start an agency? What made you think that you could make it among the many players in this so complex well, space? Well, I don't think I ever thought I could make it. There was never that plan. Never. I, and that's what's what's I mean, I don't know if that's different or other agency founders or other businesses kind of just start off doing what they really love to do. And maybe there's, like I said earlier, like the shorter term goals that I'm trying to hit. Like first it was, hey, I just want to be a freelancer and write blog posts. Then it was, hey, I just want to hire one or two people and, you know, have a small little pod of a designer, developer and project manager. And then from there, you have bigger goals and it just keeps growing. Um, And even at this point right now, the goals that I had last year that I was able to smash and achieve are, you know, now have been stepped up. But where did the name come from? That was the initial question. So I grew up in, in South Brooklyn in a, in a neighborhood called Gravesend, which sounds really dark, but <laughs> it does. it's in between like Bensonhurst and uh, Coney Island. Was it nighttime all the time there? Yes. 
Okay. No, no. It was it was actually a really nice neighborhood. It's great. My mom still lives there. I still have family and friends there. Um, um, so I grew up in South Brooklyn and I grew up on an avenue called Avenue X. And just at the time when I was trying to pick a name for the brand, I was like, Oh, what can I call it? What can I call it? And I was like, I'll just call it A V E X. So I'll just call it Avix. And no one knows that it's supposed to be Avenue X. I just put it as one word. And that just kind of stuck and kept with it. It doesn't have, I mean, I guess it does have a meaning because it's named after where I came from. But at the same time, it doesn't have like a tech meaning or initials or anything like that. It does sound techie though. It does somehow. It's the X part. It's the X. X always makes things yeah, sound more yeah, tech. Yeah, of course. So I got I to gotta know and to set the record straight, once and for all, is it Avex or Avex? Because I hear both all the time. Avex. It's Avex. Avex. Yeah. Okay. And I get that question a lot. I I might have been the source of that confusion because maybe I say <laughs> it two ways. I I now it's Avex. Let's just put it on the record. Should we put that? Should we put that on the brand guidelines of how to pronounce it oh, phonetically? Wow, yeah, like ah, yeah, ah, Vex. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We can do that. And what about the logo? I assume it's an A or some some variation of an A. At, yeah. least, which at least that's what it looked like to me. But the logo was actually designed by our previous uh, designer that was here when it was just me and him and a couple and one or two other people. Um, I know we have that documented somewhere. I might actually have to reach out to him and ask, hey, what was your thought process? But I, I it's it has something to do with um uh, the three points of the, the triangle and it has something to do with the um with kind of mixing in an a and a v together um and it looks cool so you know that's that has you know i don't have like a deep meaning behind it but it's um maybe there is maybe the design i would look to the designer who created it and i, I think we're gonna have to reach out to him to ask him where, what his thought process was there he might not even know <laughs> i mean sometimes logo is just a logo exactly but sort of winding down on kind of last thoughts what kind of sparked wanting to make like a podcast yeah so a few reasons why i wanted to start a podcast i would say it once again i think this is another good example of having those short-term goals that get bigger and bigger as time goes on. So I wanted to start pr producing more content for LinkedIn. And I started to do that, honestly, just by like writing posts. And then it turned into, well, I'm going to do video and I'm going to, on my walk to the bus in the morning, I'm going to start just doing some handheld video stuff, which I have to actually have to step up doing again. And then I was like, wow, I could do this. I could you know, I could talk about stuff that I know. So why not do a podcast about it? Or why not start speaking about it? And, you know, those goal goals are going to get bigger and bigger for me and for us as an agency. And I also think that there's a lot that we take for granted, um, thinking that either clients, merchants, other brands and agencies or practitioners like freelancers or designers or developers that we take for granted that they may know, but you know, we do a lot behind the scenes that they're not seeing or may not be aware of. And I, I want to be able to put it out there in the world and just show what, what we're doing, the knowledge that we have, um, whether it's myself or you or uh, Asha or the, the rest of the team, um, being able to um, just talk about the things that they like talking about that could bring value to other people, whether it's design or development or, or e-commerce, especially Shopify Plus, the partners we work with, processes, systems, 
approaches, you know, um, various things that um, our listeners could take away from um, and also, uh, you know, open up the curtain a little bit about what we do and what value we bring to the merchants that we partner with. Well, I think this is an amazing first episode. Really excited to get this ball rolling for for the future. Do I get to interview you next time? Uh, If you want to interview me, you can. We're going to interview everyone. We are going to crash this podcast before it begins. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we can do whatever we want. That's true. Um, so really thankful to everyone who actually stuck around and, and tuned in. Uh, please make sure to subscribe on all the platforms this podcast is going to be released on when it is released. And please tune in for next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.